Welcome to episode 29 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and lately I have been unboxing and opening way too many packs of Pokemon and MetaZoo on our Twitch stream called Whiskey and Waffles. That's great. I've done my first unboxing in a very long time with a Wolverine action figure that John got me. It's Sad Wolverine holding the picture of Scott and Jean. And by unboxing, he means he literally opened the box and didn't record it. Yes. <laughs> terrible content. Content? Content creator. Seriously terrible content. <laughs> Cyclops is waiting for me as our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series, in their original intended script order. Once again, fourth episode in a row, very important this time because they're all out of order. Up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus in 2023, where hopefully they'll be in order by then. They are no, 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 the new episodes. No, they won't. <laughs> They're going to purposely put them out of order. Or they're going to all be one-offs that have no correlation to each other, oh, no. so they don't have to be in order. There you go. They definitely will be in order. <laughs> For those of you wondering, how do we determine the episode order? Well, we utilize the listed order and previously on X-Men, the making of an animated series by the lead showrunner, Eric Leewald which is also available for reference on Wikipedia. Some quick reminders. We are a recap show of a series that this episode came out. What is that? 95? So 27 years ago. <laughs> We're doing math on the fly. There will be spoilers. If you don't want it spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, make sure to find the right episode on Disney Plus or Amazon because you could rent the episodes too there. And we will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet, but that doesn't mean I won't talk about comic book related stuff. We are currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney. Disney Plus, I mean, we, we are technically on like Amazon podcast services, I think. So there we go. I mean, we're, we're not making money, so... <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. Of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. Finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. This is our last one for the night. Home Thank God. <laughs> if we're reacting to any news, which we won't be for the upcoming series, we'll be a few weeks behind. I think actually at this point, it's like two months behind. Like the summer is ending. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, we say we're not sponsored or affiliated by Disney or Disney Plus. Maybe because neither one of us check the Gmail associated to the show. I check it every once in a while. Thank God you do, because I don't. <laughs> it's, it's how I get the clips for the reels. And the oh, awesome. Now on to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about season three, episode 11, which is titled Cold Comfort. It aired on February 4th of 1995. This one currently sits at a 7.6 rating on imdb that one isn't highlighted so i don't know if the number is right <laughs> let's do a quick double check on the imdb this episode you have to hunt for both in listing and watching because it's just in the middle of like a random there's no rhyme or reason for where it lands in the in the it is viewing. not efficient to search by the name cold comfort holy crap there are a lot of things called cold comfort on imdb are they mostly adult i no. <laughs> What IMDb are you on that has adult <laughs> stuff like that, Rod? For fuck's sake. Yeah, 7.6. I was right. Okay. Starting off, the episode had no recap at the beginning of it. Yeah, I don't think I saw this one when it started, but we'll address that a little bit later because I don't remember this beginning at all. Right. So speaking of which, the beginning is outside of a storage depot with the name Kirby Glenn Storage Depot 1917. Did you have any initial gut checks as to what that might be? No. So, one of the two creators of the X-Men. Oh, Jack Kirby? Jack Kirby. Guess what year Kirby was born? Oh, whatever year. 1917. 1917. Okay, yep. gotcha. It was 
is it Glendale or something? Or they just use Glen? I think Glen was just kind okay. of, yeah. Because they couldn't have been like Kirby Jack. And that would have been a little too obvious. Yeah. But you have a storage depot. You have two like, you know, security guards in a fairly high tech room for a storage facility. And they're doing the classic, like, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. And they're just bitching back and forth about how miserable it is. He's like, no, but it's hot and I'm sticky. And the other guy's like, you're sticky because of humidity. He's like, no, I'm sticky because it's hot. And I've heard that argument more times than I ever want to hear. Thank God yeah. we don't have humidity in LA. I was gonna say, you could tell some like adults on the West Coast wrote this. <laughs> Or it was adults on the East Coast who wrote this because adults on the West Coast don't even experience humidity. Well, I just think it's because whenever someone visits from the East Coast, they're like, oh, it's not as hot here. It's like, oh, it's because of the humidity. We then see they have like a, you know, a, a temperature gauge that's, that's showing it's like it's 85 degrees, which doesn't seem that bad. But 85 degrees with a lot of humidity, because I think it showed it like 80% humidity. That's yes. uncomfortable yeah. and gross. But then one of the guys, probably just hyperbole, is like, it's 97 degrees because I'm from New York. <laughs> also, you know, it's American temperature, like Fahrenheit. So it doesn't make sense. I mean, it works for us. Yeah, but we're the only ones using it. <laughs> Which means we're right. <laughs> That's the American way. Yeah, America is fuck. So we see who we all know is Iceman, who is, is outside. The way that he's drawn, he had a little bit of a Silver Surfer vibe because he was not a transparent Iceman. He was like the cloudy ice cube version. Yeah, he he was a little bit transparent, but you can only see it in certain scenes. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It wasn't like completely see-through. Yeah. So he sees a camera, freezes it and breaks it. He then proceeds, similar to Storm in the original episode for the pilot, uses his like weather powers and he makes a fog. He, he misses and he's able to see these like lasers. So it was humid. As that's happening, the guards are noticing it dramatically gets colder, which that guy should have been happier about. Yeah. But it unfortunately drops to 30 degrees mm -hmm. since he's made of ice and he has that effect on people. He pops into the guard room and then he proceeds to freeze the guards. Yeah, he like sub-zeroes them. Like they, yeah. should, they should have died. Like there's solid ice around your body. That's too cold. <laughs> Especially when it's 30 degrees. And yeah. It, yeah, it's not like it's getting warmer. We jump over to the mansion where it's it's also late at night and Jubilee and Professor X are, are in the war room mm -hmm. and they're talking about a part that they need. Yeah, AE 35 unit. Well, if anybody on the internet knows if there's any significance to that, let us know. Yeah, because we didn't know if that's like a computer piece or like an air conditioner piece. Yeah, which I didn't think of, but it would make sense if everybody else... Everybody's bitching hot. that it's humid. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that would suck. It's like, oh, our central air isn't working right now. <laughs> Jubilee wants to take one of the ships and fly to the store to pick up the piece, which what, at midnight. At what store do you think you're like Home Depot doesn't stay open that late, Jubilee? <laughs> like, is she just going to like fly into the middle of Manhattan and go to like a random bodega oh, hardware gonna, store? She's going to go to a bodega. It's like, you got this part? Sure. They got everything. Yeah, they have everything. Whether you want to fix your advanced computer or your yeah. AC. I mean, it'll be like three times as much and be like 50 years old. But. She's not paying for it. <laughs> Professor X literally supports the cost of a mansion. Yeah. At that time, though, Cerebro with a Xavier voice goes off. This one was a very robotic one, though, so I hope it wasn't too confusing for you. I know sometimes you have an issue with deciphering Cerebro <laughs> from Xavier, and it gives a warning of violent mutant activity at a federal storage depot. And they realize it's it's weather activity mm -hmm. that's happening. When they jump to, well, Storm is in Africa, so it can't be her, and it's like, why would you think Storm is attacking a federal right. depot right now? <laughs> I guess maybe they were thinking maybe it's mistaken as an attack or something. Yes. Or... Yeah. She she was trying to cool down the humidity. Yeah. It became an attack. 
the government overreacted. You know, I didn't think of this until just now, but fair enough. Storm's main nemesis specifically is someone who possesses your body, so maybe not too far off. Okay, I mean, fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is that is the strongest conflict we have seen from Storm yeah. is with the Shadow King. You're you spot on with that. But through their, their advanced tech, so it can't, probably wasn't the computer, it's probably the AC that was broken. Yeah. They are able to pull a transmission and they see that it is Iceman who's attacking the facility. And then their CG imaging, for lack of a better term, pulls back that it's Iceman and you see who Professor refers to as Bobby, but you know, any keen-eyed viewer would notice it isn't just a guy in street clothes. He's literally wearing a variation of the X-Men uniform. Yeah, it's kind of similar to Cyclops' thing where like the X is off to the side and stuff. But it, <laughs> but it doesn't have the armor, it's just the, the spandex. Yeah, Cyclops has like his pouches and, mm-hmm. and such. You need pouches as a leader. <laughs> the Boy Scout. Yeah, at that point, Xavier sounds the alarm. As he sounds the alarm, Wolverine thinks it's his alarm clock. Yeah. So at 12.07, Rod's favorite boy is smashing his alarm clock. I didn't put that together, that it was the Xavier alarm. I thought it was actually an alarm clock. But why? That, it doesn't It doesn't make sense. At no, the time. I, I think it's one of those things where they probably wrote it properly in the script. Yeah. And then the actual production made the mistake okay. of alarm goes off, smashes alarm clock. And then they didn't continue the sound effect yeah. until Xavier spoke. Because the, the the alarm sound that's on there is that classic like 80s, 90s that, wooden uh, alarm clock. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I don't know if it necessarily is used anymore. But. I guarantee you there's one of the tones on our yeah. iPhones that is just the replica of that because people hate ourselves. <laughs> so at 12.07 in the morning, Jubilee was helping Professor X fix an air conditioner unit. But then Wolverine, Beast, and Cyclops show up in the war room. Wolverine is pissed because he wasn't getting his full eight hours. Yeah. Which is like, is this the first time you've not? You've been to like literal outer space. I think it might be the first time because he's very angry about it. <laughs> Xavier lets Jubilee know to hang back and prepare the infirmary, which dark. I'm pretty sure that's the first time. Also, he knows who this is. Yeah. Like he's never said prepare the infirmary when we're going to go fight somebody that we don't like. I mean, it took him three seasons, but he finally like learned. He's like, I, whenever I send these these kids out. Somebody uh, gets hurt. Somebody gets hurt, yeah. <laughs> Twice people died. Cyclops is pissed. And this is like righteous indignation, Cyclops. Like he is not happy. He is losing his shit. He's like, was an X-Men because Cyclops obviously recognizes that it's Bobby. Beast recognizes that it's Bobby. Wolverine came after Bobby had joined the team and already left at yeah. that point. And Gene is not in the picture right now. Nope, Gene is not in the picture. And Cyclops like is just constantly throwing shade. He's describing Bobby as difficult. He was an original X-Men until he left. He says that Xavier always makes excuses for him. Yeah, as they're on their way to the base with Xavier in the, the Blackbird with them, Beast and, and Xavier are just trying to like cool down Cyclops <laughs> and it's having the opposite effect and just pissing him off more and more. Because Beast even like kind of makes an excuse for Iceman in the that whole like argument too like, right and exactly yeah and cyclops is like see this is what you always do and I, it's, I remember what it was beast is like he wasn't troublemaker he was free-spirited and i was like beast just read the room <laughs> no again they're all awful with social cues <laughs> so they get to the military base beast is the actual first one to find iceman and iceman is like kind of excited to see him at first yeah. he's like hey what are you doing here yeah well you broke into a government facility <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know our, you know our tech yeah. Beast is like, yeah, the professor like wants to help you and stuff. And like Iceman kind of just turns on a dime as soon as he hears Professor X get mentioned, starts to to 
tail off the other way. He, he like blasts Beast into some like barrels or something. Yeah, and then Wolverine shows up and he just freezes Wolverine in place. He sub-zeroes him too, basically. Yeah. And Iceman is Canadian, I guess. Well, he, I know his voice actor is Canadian because he's a Suri. I did write down there was a Suri pal. <laughs> S-U-R-R-Y. Yeah. I literally, anytime they say sorry, I write it down in the show because of the, the voice actors. As the Canadian apology is happening, Cyclops just shoots the shit out of him from behind. Yeah. This moment has a weird animation error. Something's like see-through, like they didn't move a cell in mm-hmm. time. So there's two scenes overlapped each other for like a few frames. I didn't notice that one. Maybe I looked down to write down Suri. So Bobby is knocked out on the ground. Wolverine walks over. Wolverine of all people calls it overkill. Yeah. Oh, we'll hold it back a little bit here, man. Scott continues to just be pissed. He's angry that Bobby's still wearing the uniform. That one I kind of get. I mean, yeah, if you leave a team and this is he's had to have left for literal years at this point, right? Because Wolverine's been with the team, let's call it at least a year minimum. Yeah, I guess in Bobby's logic, it's probably like he hasn't been active for that amount of time. And so this is like his, you know, thing he goes in to do his action stuff, or whatever. But at the same time, he's representing the X-Men in breaking into a facility illegally. They do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they, they want credit for it. That's going to happen. Yeah. Xavier is able to see that like, there's some stuff going down and he needs to create a distraction for them. He, in front of one group of soldiers, creates what is obviously the brood we've referenced in, in previous episodes. They've never been called out by name in the show up to this point. But we know what they are just from the X-Men comic books and such. And then there's this other like flying monster that pops up in the air and it it gives them enough of a distraction to get out of there. Mm -hmm. And then at the expansion, Professor Xavier and Iceman are just arguing because it's like a prodigal son returning only not as nice. Yeah, and it's, you know, Bobby questions everything and and Wolverine is just like trying to feel out a little more of the relationship. Cyclops gets involved in the argument and it just continues to escalate they call him an apple polisher which was i want to say in like second grade that was the best insult i had never heard that before the pg way of saying ass kisser yeah i I actually had to look it up i was like i like that term i'm gonna look it up make sure it's not a derogatory term (laughs) like and and it is basically yeah it's like a brown noser yeah you know exactly you call which but it's just the way it rolls off the tongue is so hilarious to me also like there was an interesting point where bobby says he flunked out of this place but then professor xavier says he chose to leave so it's a very like he said she said yeah uh, it's it's all about perspective because he's like yeah you know i I flunked out it's like well no you you chose to leave i didn't kick you out but bobby refuses to like let them know why he was attacking a government facility and that's really all professor x is asking at that point is Mm -hmm. let us know why you were there and he's like i don't have to tell you shit and Professor X is like, all right, cool, sorry. And then a gravity cell just kind of like pops up and Bobby is left floating in the middle of the room. Yeah, it's like Professor X's version. Mr. Burns is like, release the hounds. He's like, Psh, here you go. Okay, bye, see you. <laughs> yep. He's like, well, then I can't help you if you're not going to talk to us. So I'll come back later. So was the plan to just torture isolate him? I think so it was like, was break. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, we can wait longer than you can. Oh, all that mental warfare. Yeah. So we we get a little bit of a flashback and it's, you know, revealed that Bobby was actually the second member of the team. Mm -hmm. Cyclops being the first one, Bobby being the second. Yeah, because Jubilee's looking it up on Cerebro. Right. This is the point where I remember seeing this episode. So I don't know if I just remember this part or I had just caught it at this part. Okay. So it's weird. You know, you wish you could like recall like as a kid, like what? 
context you saw this stuff and he's like okay i definitely seen this part yeah and the the one thing that becomes a little bit of a continuity issue is there is a shot of bobby fighting magneto also it's worth mentioning that at, at times you see them in the classic uniforms yes. you know from the the 1963 debut beast isn't harry Right. That's a continuity thing, too. No, it's not. Because we saw Beast growing up through the ages, but it uh-huh. wasn't clear when he joined the the team. I guess so. I, he seemed bigger there than when he was younger. I mean, I that's 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 an artistic yeah, issue. I okay. don't think I don't think that's as much the gotcha. continuity. But they do show Bobby fighting Magneto, mm-hmm. which, to the best of our recollection, the first time you see Magneto in the show is the first time Scott has encountered him. Yeah. So it would be weird that Bobby would have fought Magneto without Scott. Yeah, unless there was some weird circumstance back then. Yeah, Scott was off yelling at somebody. (laughs) So it's kind of obvious at this point that Jubilee has another crush. Two episodes in a row, Jubilee's, you know, boy crazy, teenager. She's, yep, she's feeling him. Bobby just keeps refusing to answer Beast's questions. And then Beast finds the thing to open the door with Bobby. And he kind of likes, you know, asks, well, what's been going on with you and Lorna? Up to that point. Did you know who Lorna was? Yes, mainly from a trading card I had, because I remember her as Polaris. Yes. And then also from this show, which now that I think about it, I might have watched it again in college or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe where I remember it, but I I definitely remember her from the trading card. And she's very similar to Magneto, I remember. She's very similar to Magneto. (laughs) Yes, there's a reason why she's very similar to Magneto. (laughs) But there is now a formal flashback as opposed to the newsreel style flashback that Jubilee was getting. There's a fight. Who are they fighting, Rod? Oh, is that the robot guy that I always forget the name of? Something that's two words, and I can't. It is two words. <laughs> Jeez, dang it! It's the best game. It's not Maverick. Yeah, that's the one I remembered this time on purpose to, to come up with my answer. Dang it! It's the green robot. Super adaptoid. Super adaptoid. Yeah, God. it's a horrid name. It's it, it is like a 1967 name. But in that battle, Lorna got hurt, and mm. you know there was like, well, we she almost lost. Died, yeah. yeah. So at the time, Lorna was also a member of the team. Is is insinuated, which was not the case in the comics. Yeah, that, just that, for clarity, that was an odd choice for me to see because I'm I'm used to that core team. And yeah. The, on the animated series so yeah polaris being there is kind of weird but bobby quits he wants a normal job and he gets a job as a cpa <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Which, which did happen in the comics too oh, at one did? point where bobby's gig was he was a cpa and he just wanted a normal life and to be young and in love and there's like the very 90s moment of them skating on the sidewalk at the beach yeah. which is like, despite the fact that they're based in new york it was like a california as shit vibe for me i guess that there's that would make sense, though, if they escaped to, like, Santa Monica or something, if they were trying to get away from that. I mean, even, like, Coney Island, I guess. That's true, yeah. yeah. It's funny, because I kind of felt for them at the moment. Maybe it's just because of my age now. It's like, yeah, you should be able to, like, be a kid. You know, or not, I mean, a kid, teenager, or, like, your early adult. I mean, whatever. he's a CPA. I mean, yeah. that, that means he's at least, like, 23, yeah. right? So, but you should be able to have those A years. life? Yeah. No. You know, not just be a soldier. <laughs> right. But that ends up being the point of contention between him and Lorna. Because Lorna feels like there is a level of responsibility they have because of their powers. And they kept getting in arguments about it. And they show a newspaper clip, which did you see the reference in the newspaper clip? Was, it was the first X-Men battle that we saw in the show. It was Xavier and Garrick. And what was also an Easter egg on there, it was a Daily Bugle. Okay. So again, we don't get Spider-Man appearing in the episode. But we get reference to the Spider-Man side of Marvel. Bobby decides one night after a big fight, he needs to go over and make up for, you know, the argument that he had. And the, like, place is ransacked. 
And all he really finds is there is a note that says Kirby Glenn on it, which is the reference to why he went to the facility that that started the episode. And Beast is like, oh, okay, cool. I'm still not going to let you out. Yeah. <laughs> which felt like a dick move on Beast's part. Yeah. If we didn't mention it before, the reason Beast was there is he was bringing him like food and a book. So mm-hmm. it was his phrasing. It was like food for the mind and the soul or the body and the soul or something yeah. like that or body and mind. So he leaves the food, I guess. And then he takes the book with him. Yeah. And Jubilee had overheard all of it. So when Beast leaves, he turns one way. Jubilee pops in the room. Beast realizes, oh, I forgot to give him the book because I was so enthralled by his Lorna story. And he goes in and realizes that Bobby is gone. Yeah, because if it wasn't clear already, Jubilee, she's hot off this, you know, thing where like Professor Xavier wouldn't let her drive the mini jet because she didn't do good enough, you know, learn to fly it or whatever. I mean, she continues to keep making bad decisions. I wouldn't give her a jet either. (laughs) So she relates to Bobby. Yeah. As as like, you know, Professor doesn't trust her the Mm -hmm. same way he didn't trust it. So they go back to the base and they kind of like, all right, you know, we'll, we got to do this together. You know, you, you don't just leave me behind like my team did. And as they go into the base, they are stopped by three figures. At the time, we have only seen two of these on screen so far. So the first one is Havoc. Havoc was in the replay of an image of, I believe it was Time Fugitives, yes. where you saw Cyclops and Havoc in a shot together. You see another figure who is multiple man, who doesn't have any real like defining features of him physically. Like, that's, I, like I hate to say that because I do like Jamie as a character, mm-hmm. but here he's just kind of like, looks almost like a foot soldier and nothing more. Yeah, yeah, he's in not X-Men gear, but like generic X-Men, like yeah. kind of. And then you see the outline of who we we know to be Forge. Yeah. Yeah. I did recognize Forge. So Cyclops, Beast, and Wolverine, they go to the facility. You know, they they could tell that Iceman is, has been there. You jump over to Iceman and Jubilee in a room together. They see a crate that's just labeled Mutant Project, yeah. which just feels wrong. Yeah, even Jubilee's like, gross. Interesting thing that they never came back to why this happened. But Jubilee, they had thought ahead. They put her hands in like the... The containment thing. Yeah, she was in like mittens basically. Yeah. And so she couldn't use her powers. But then like Bobby in ice form is just like tied with rope to a chair. Well, I do have a theory about that and I'll get to that okay. towards the end of the episode. So remind me to 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 circle back on that one. So to Rod's point, Iceman still has free use of his hands, <laughs> which does not affect his powers in any way. So he's able to to break out, save Jubilee, and as he approaches a door, Wolverine just tackles <laughs> through the door and just like takes out Iceman, which is fantastic. Starts scolding Jubilee, and Xavier actually accepts the blame at this point. Mm-hmm. He's like, he should have been the teacher, the guide, or whatever, and stuff, instead of just letting all of it happen. Well, he was also like, I should have been reaching out as a friend rather than like placing pressure on you like a father. Mm, good. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, it kind of makes sense, but also, are you really a friend if you're like the le- you know that leadership role? Like, you're not really a friend. I guess it all depends on what your perspective of who they are as a team. Like, yeah. are they are they a team or are they soldiers? Yeah. But at that point, we get the reveal of the group that we know to be X Factor. So you want to hear who? I please, were? please go for it. I know who they are now, but at this moment. Yep. As you're writing down stream of consciousness, Rod. I was right about all but one. Okay. So I definitely knew Strong Guy. And so a couple of Because ago, of the trading cards. For the action figure, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the trading cards later reinforced that. Yep. But I referenced a couple podcast episodes ago. Boom Boom was like the most 90s character. 
until Strong Guy. I think Strong Guy is hands down one of the most 90s characters. Like, there's just his whole thing is just weirdly, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like the vibe, you know? Now, when was Guido created? I have to His look name up. is Guido? His name is Guido. I didn't know that. Uh, it was just like he had that little like baby curly cute thing hair, you know, and he's like top heavy and the little sunglasses and stuff. Like, if not for anything else, his design. Guess, guess when he debuted. 1990? 1985. Oh, damn it. All right. Well. <laughs> Cre- created by Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz. In Did New- he look like that too? God damn it. Hold on. Now that Rod is asking me questions, I don't have <laughs> strong. I mean, I guess he, he probably wouldn't be too far off. Debut. Yeah, we're going to go with yes. Okay. Yep. Anyway, to me, he embodies like what I remember of like the '90s, like design, like everything's extreme, and especially like the the, the costuming and stuff. Obviously, there was Havoc. I did recognize him, although Havoc's had a few different forms. I mainly recognize him because of his powers. Yeah, Havoc's original costume was black with like three half crescents on his head yeah. and a circle over his chest. Yeah, because he was he was on the X Men at one point. When, when was he on the X Men? He would have been on the X-Men at one point, and that would have been his costume he wore at the time. Mm-hmm. And then Quicksilver, who is weirdly kind of only there a couple times. Then I wrote down Wolf Lady. Which I hate because you're actually fairly close, all right? things considered. <laughs> and then I wasn't sure about this one, but I I was pretty sure that I had heard the name was Multiple Man. Yes. And that was definitely a trading card thing. So I, I got all of them except for Wolfsbane. Wolf Spain. Yeah, because it was Wolf Lady. I was like, oh, it's very distinctive from Cat Lady, who just screeched and meowed. Well, because within the X-Men universe, you have Wolf Spain. You also have Feral, who we've referenced in another yeah. episode. Who's that was a member. Cat Lady. So, yeah. And then they went into like this weird thing with like Wolverine and Sabretooth and almost like this Lycan-esque group. Oh, yeah. I uh, about that, yeah. And it was like, you know, 2000 eight era wolverine where that was like a whole thing yeah. i, I want to say there was a character named like romulus who was like the patriarch of that entire story and such it, okay. it got weird <laughs> but yeah so they all start pairing off havoc attacks the x-men scatter jubilee is able to kind of like slow down quicksilver iceman and strong guy go at it with each other cyclops and havoc kind of have this like full-fledged square off they're in a boxing ring ready yeah. to go like they're circling each other and then they just start like going at it and nothing happens i remember this moment where they shot at each other and nothing happened are we gonna talk about it or is that a spoiler i don't here's the thing i don't know if it's a spoiler because i don't know if havoc ever appears in the rest of the series okay. so i think we should talk about it so even i know in my limited knowledge that they're brothers yes and long lost brothers I don't quite understand how that makes their powers immune to each other, but... So, look at what was established in the Phoenix Saga episodes where Sean Cassidy and Black Tom Cassidy fought against each other and their powers oh, okay. had no effect on each other. So that's just the thing in this version of the... There is a... That is kind of like a storytelling device here that family members fighting each other seems to have a lesser or no effect on each okay. other. Beast and Wolfsbane end up going at each other and then Wolverine's like, oh well, I'm going to kick your ass to Multiple Man because you look at Multiple Man, he doesn't yeah. seem intimidating or daunting by any means. Wolverine goes for a swing and then Multiple Man just starts like dividing like he's a freaking yeah. cell, man. Because Multiple Man says like, plant one on the chin or something, like, I'll give you a free shot. Yeah. And then what he, he, Wolverine said something like, you're going to split in two or whatever. Multiple Man's like, more like Baker's dozen. I was like, what is this exchange? <laughs> I feel like your recap missed some of the nuance. <laughs> 
As the fight starts breaking out further, Strong Guy is able to get the upper hand on Iceman. Quicksilver decides to make a tornado and just literally just spin in a circle and Jubilee is stuck in the air. Yeah. Yeah, the team is kind of getting their, the X-Men are kind of getting their asses kicked. Yeah, they started out seeming like they were doing better, and then they just kind of like fell into what they normally would do. And that's where the other team started to to take advantage of it. Xavier from, you know, off, off the battlefield is like, you guys need to switch your adversaries, you need to change your tactics. And I feel like I have read or watched enough stuff that that becomes a trope of almost any team at one point. Oh. where you have the team that is created and the set of adversaries that are perfectly matched against their weaknesses. Yeah. I figured in this sense, because of the whole Forge thing, that he was like prepared for it. But also it is convenient that those specific... The matchups yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but that's usually what it is, is like in the heat of battle, it's like, cool, you try to get to that person, you try to get to that person. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to start switching up their tactics. Cyclops switches his tactics, so instead of actually shooting at Havoc, he shoots the boxes around him and they kind of collapse on top of him and such. Mm-hmm. At that point, Iceman is like, where is Lorna? And you actually see Lorna step out with Forge. And then instantly when she sees that Havoc is is probably injured, she runs over and is checking on him. Yeah, she's very clear that they're together. Yeah, this is more than a I'm worried about my teammate kind of Mm -hmm. scenario. Forge introduces himself to Xavier and he lets him know that they are funded by the government. Which throws Professor Xavier. (laughs) Yeah, Professor Xavier is under the assumption that he's like the only mutant expert that works for the government. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And And Forge is like, we keep it secret, especially from you. Yeah, like you were literally the last person we wanted to let know about this. But Forge is like, yeah, when, you know, we knew you were around, we wanted this like skirmish to start. Oh, yeah. He calls it a friendly skirmish. Well, because Professor Xavier is like, why did you attack us? And then Forge brings up a good point. He's like, "Uh, you broke into here. And attacked us. And then, yeah, then he says, like, and I figured a little, a fun little skirmish wouldn't hurt. So the theory, to get back to that, Rock, the reason I think that they didn't actually wrap up Bobby's hands was because Forge wanted them to break out so they would be able to have the skirmish. Oh, no, So I think sense. that was actually intentional. It, it's one of those things that it looks like it's foolish, but if they literally went through the trouble of having the special mittens prepared for Jubilee, uh-huh. and they knew that Bobby had recently broken into the facility, yeah. that was a choice for him to not stop his power in some capacity. Yeah, that makes sense. And they had him pair, they like, paired up specific powers and stuff that makes so much sense and especially since we know from future version of forge that he is one of like the smartest inventors on the planet to have a literal time machine he would know how to stop bobby's and he's very strategic and everything that makes sense yeah exactly all comes full circle beast snacks ice man's hands nobody's gonna get the beast snack (laughs) reference because that's like in real time three months ago oh yeah yeah so we get the reveal that Lorna had actually faked her disappearance. The note? (laughs) Well, if you look at the note, I would make the argument that she did not intend for that piece of paper to be revealed. Mm -hmm. It was just bad luck of like as papers are getting shredded or something like that. And for all we know, it might have even been because we can't tell from animation. It might have been like stationary or something. Yeah, it was just there was there was there was a right. There was something written down and it just happened to be something that stood out to Bobby, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. She wanted to start over and she she knew that Bobby would have stopped her. And 
fortunately for Bobby, when that happened, she she fell in love, obviously referencing Havoc, and she was able to use her powers for something that mattered. Yeah, because she said she fell out of love with Bobby once Bobby lost his touch in like saving people or, or you know, care about saving people and stuff. So the little question I had for that is, what is the time frame for this? Did she fall in love in like a week? I gathered that because of the lack of an internet world, mm-hmm. it took him it, a while. It took him a while to figure out what this base okay. was. It makes sense. That that's that because it also was like early internet. Mm-hmm. Not everything was even documented on it. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's it's not like right now where like you could Google map everything that's on true. the fucking so planet. He probably had to go through like phone books. And like ask around. Well, yeah, I mean, he probably had to do like actual detective work. Yeah. Oh, and if it's a government facility, that's secret. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. All right. So I, yeah. I think this was probably like at least like a six month plus yeah, time frame. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Right. And Bobby kind of like realizes he needs to. He takes the cue. He kind of needs to give up. We get like the square up between the X Men and, and X Factor. <laughs> it's like Wolfsbane against Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> you you still have the square off between Cyclops and, and Havoc, and it was like about that some other time. And they're both ready to threaten each other, but it's kind of like that scenario where it's like the two guys at the bar who are ready to fight, mm-hmm. but nobody has the balls to throw the first punch. Yeah, yeah. And it's just funny to me because it's like, yeah, you have this power. You know your power doesn't work that well against each other. Just punch him in the face. Yeah, right. <laughs> like seriously. I, I don't care if your your optic blast isn't like reacting to his thing. Just punch him in the face. It's kind of tragic that Cyclops has met his brother and his father now and didn't know. Yeah, it doesn't know on either of them. So episode ends up at the mansion. You have Jubilee, you have Bobby, you have Xavier, and you have Scott all outside kind of, you know, Jubilee wants him to stay. I believe Xavier and, and Cyclops are, are for it as yeah, well. Like join the X-Men again. Yeah, and it's like, you know, you want to try again? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. That's a good point. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the the kid can keep driving you crazy. And she, he kind of gives like the encouragement to Jubilee of like, not like don't let them break your spirit, but like also don't put up with their like hard yeah. ass stuff. Yeah, don't change. Yeah. Don't change for them. And then he gives an awkward pat in her head. And that's how it closes. The head pat, really, really awkward, <laughs> but better than the like kiss that could have been in the previous episode. Yeah, and then we leave this episode like we do so many others where people just walk off into the sunset and will they come back? Will they not? We don't know. Just random tidbits about this episode. Lorna actually did her first debut as Polaris in X-Men all the way back in X-Men number 49. So she was literally in the first 50 issues of the X-Men is when she made her debut. So she was still in the 60s. Yeah, I remember reading about her after I saw her on the card about that, how she was like an OG character, just like lesser known. Right. What is interesting is the way the airing order of this happened, this actually aired after the Dark Phoenix saga, which is the next batch of episodes that we're going to be getting into Mm -hmm. in the coming weeks. And then Eric made sure to share, he had a creative writing teacher in college whose name was Robert Drake. Oh, wow. Yeah, so not only was it a teacher named Robert that he really liked, but he had a beloved creative writing teacher who would constantly ask them, well, what's the story? Not what are you? Not what did you write, but what is the story you're going for? And if he was reviewing something in front of people, if he got to a part that was awkward, he would literally say "eek" out loud. Oh no! But that's also how you know you have a great teacher. If it's yeah. like you can look at somebody who is like critiquing your stuff, and you look back at them fondly. I love that we in um, meta discussion we have a uh, real world Bobby Drake to partially thank for 
for the X-Men that we know and love. Yeah. That's great. I didn't know that before we met just now. Yeah. I'll drop this one in there since I don't know if we're ever going to get Bobby back in the rest of the series, to be right. totally honest, because we've established once we've gotten to season three, there's just a black hole of what we remember and don't remember from the series. Yeah. I, it, it, I, I'm i going to guess that we're going to find out what the actual airing order was, because those are probably the ones we remember. But there is in X-Men 92, House of 92, which oh, the new series. issue two released in June of this year, there is actually a reference where Rogue has taken the role of the Marauders, which in Marvel 616 comic, Kitty Pride is leading the, the the mutant pirate ship, and Gambit is very nervous about her being on the ship because is with a bunch of very good looking men. Bobby being one of them, Richter being one of them, North Star being one of them, and you quickly realize that Rogue has picked the entirely queer cast of male X Men. Oh, nice! So she doesn't say it formally, but she's like, "No, you don't have to worry about them." Yeah. So wait, so Bobby's queer in the comics? Bobby would eventually come out. There was like this whole side story of the original five X-Men getting teleported to the modern day. Uh And a young Jean Grey actually accidentally reads Bobby's mind, finds out that he's gay. And then adult Bobby doesn't actually address it until young Bobby and him have their interaction. Wow. Yep. Very cool. Yep. So Rogue is like, no, I I figured this out. (laughs) Well, it's also Rogue and probably the skimpiest outfit I've ever seen her in. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'll throw that into the comments. So I got to take a picture of that issue of the book. But yeah, it's interesting because Bobby has had so many iterations. He's the guy who has quit the team to the point where he's also considered an Omega level mutant in the comics right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And your Omega levels are the ones that it's like you literally don't know the upper limits of their power. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because the Iceman I remember is, I don't even remember from this episode, is from Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Firestar. Which is not a great representation right. of, he, of like, the level of power of these he's characters. Like, he's like a slapstick surfboarding Iceman. Yeah. <laughs> we did get the surfboarding Iceman, yes. though. We did get that in the shot with Beast. So. I like how that moment, he thought it, it, it was literally slower to do that than to just walk away. It was a really funny animation moment. Well... Thank you all for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload, the official Instagram post, or the reel for this episode. And if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, Google, or Rod's favorite, CastBox. Nope. Oh, and it's, it's the humidity, it's not the temperature. <laughs> I threw something at Rod. Rod.